0: butts and guts a cleveland clinic podcast exploring your digestive and surgical health from end to end so welcome to another episode of butts and guts i'm your host scott Steele, chairman of colorectal surgery here in beautiful cleveland ohio and I'm very pleased to have Dr. Jeremy Lippman with me, one of the members of my staff. And Jeremy's an associate professor of surgery at Cleveland Clinic Lerner College of Medicine. Jeremy's also been the program director for the general surgery residency here at Cleveland Clinic since 2016. Jeremy, welcome to Butts and Guts.
1: Thanks. Thanks a lot for having me. Thanks for including me.
0: So I'd like to start out these. Tell us, w- where are you from? Uh, how did it come to the point that you wound up here at the Cleveland Clinic? grew up
1: in Pittsburgh, and uh, Cleveland was always an athletic rival, but, you know, Stay true to the Steelers, no offense. Went to medical school in Philadelphia and afterwards in my residency at Case Western here in Cleveland and really fell in love with the city. And when the opportunity arose to come over here and work jumped on it, it's a great place to be, as you know.
0: Well, that's awesome. And uh, we're very, very lucky to have you here. So today we're going to talk a little bit of something called ulcerative colitis. Falls under the umbrella of inflammatory bowel disease and obviously that along with Crohn's disease and indeterminate colitis are kind of the trifecta under that umbrella, but we're gonna focus specifically on ulcerative colitis. So first thing right off the bat, what is ulcerative colitis?
1: Yeah, good question. So ulcerative colitis is one of the inflammatory bowel diseases. So it's a disease that causes inflammation in your colon, and usually it is limited to the colon. Um, whereas some of the other things you mentioned like Crohn's disease can involve really any part of the gastrointestinal tract, anything from your mouth all the way down to your bottom. Ulcerative colitis tends to really be focused just in the colon. And that's one of the things that makes it different. And it's why it's called colitis for the colon.
0: Where's it come from? Is it something that I I eat and I get or uh, what's the origin of it?
1: Yeah, there's probably a genetic component. It tends to run in families. Uh, We know that people that have identical twins or also uh, have it in other members of their family tend to be at higher risk. There's a lot of it that we don't understand yet. There's elements probably related to the environment and where you grow up, but it's nothing that you did or didn't do that led you to get it. It's bad luck, bad genes, but fortunately there are things we can do to help to get people better with it.
0: Okay, so let's take a step back and let's say... I'm a patient, i got some GI type symptoms. What are some of the more common symptoms that people would experience that may raise a red flag to say, oh, I might have ulcerative colitis?
1: Yeah, any change in how your bowel movements are going and how your bowels are feeling should prompt a visit to see your doctor probably. With ulcerative colitis specifically, people tend to get crampy abdominal pain, diarrhea. Sometimes they see blood in their stool. They may notice that they have weight loss loss of energy, just not feeling well. And so any of those things, you probably get them a trip to the doctor to to see what's going on, try to sort it out.
0: How common is ulcerative colitis? I mean, uh, if you haven't noticed a little bit of blood in your stool or you occasionally get diarrhea or something like that, should be worried that she got ulcerative colitis? No,
1: ulcerative colitis is not common. We see it a lot here because that's what we do, but it's not a very common disease. So, most people who have diarrhea ate some bad food or just something that didn't agree with them. It's when this goes on for weeks and weeks and months that's when it's time to get something checked out. A little bit of blood when you wipe, it's probably worth getting a visit to the doctor, make sure nothing bad's going on. But it's when you're seeing it over and over again and it becomes a chronic problem that you need to worry about something like this.
0: Do you have to worry at all about uh, the age that you are? If you're somebody out there, let's say that's listening to the podcast that they're uh, 15 versus somebody else who's 86. I mean, is there a certain kind of patient that epitomizes ulcerative colitis? What does that patient look like?
1: Patients can get ulcerative colitis basically throughout their life. It's really uncommon in young kids, less than 10 years old, but the typical person is going to be in their 20s or 30s or maybe in their 60s, not typically very young people or very, very old people.
0: So you mentioned a couple of things that I want to go back on. So patients might have crampy abdominal pain. They have the diarrhea and occasionally, and then they get some blood in their stools. Are there any other manifestations or is it just diarrhea or just the abdominal pain that could tip people off? Does it affect any other organs in the body?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a strange disease because it really starts in the colon but can affect a lot of other things. People can get pain in their joints like arthritis. They can get problems on their skin with either these little red bumps that can show up or sometimes even worse wounds that can show up on the skin. Something called pyoderma gangrenosum sounds terrible. It is terrible. Not very common, fortunately. Uh, people can get problems with their eyes where their eyes get red and burning and watery. Uh, rarely people can get trouble with their back or trouble with their liver. So maybe another thing to raise some of the the red flags that if you're having these abdominal complaints and some of these other things going on, maybe they do tie together and your doctor can help you sort that out.
0: Okay. So I'm a patient out there and I'm listening to this podcast. I'm thinking to myself, I experienced some of those symptoms that Dr. Lipman is talking about. Who should they go to and what can they expect during that office visit?
1: I mean, the first visit, in my opinion, should always be to the primary doctor. They know you best. They know your history. They know your family and can help to route you to the right person. And when you go in, they'll talk to you and ask about all these symptoms and signs that we've been talking about. They'll examine you, do a head-to-toe exam, maybe do a rectal exam. Not fun, but important. And probably the next step will be to refer you for a colonoscopy with either a gastroenterologist or a colorectal surgeon. Take a look inside, see what's the lining of the colon look like, because that's really where the rubber meets the road on this one. If the lining of the colon is inflamed and ulcerated, that's what we use to say that this is some type of colitis, probably ulcerative
0: colitis. Can the patients expect to get a scope during that first office visit?
1: No, that first office visit will just be a conversation make some plans, and then the colonoscopy would be scheduled at a later time so that it can be set up with some sedation and after a bowel prep where you drink that stuff and get all cleaned out.
0: Now, let's say I'm a patient out there that has had a recent colonoscopy at 54 years old, and I was told that that was normal, but I'm listening to this podcast, and more importantly, I'm experiencing some of these symptoms. Do I still need to have a colonoscopy?
1: Yeah, it's time to go back and get it checked again because this could have developed in the interim. Like I said, very young people, sort of people in the middle of their lives tend not to get it. But it may be that you've, you didn't have it four years ago, but now it's showing up. So it can, it can sort of pop up out of the blue. Again, not anything you did or didn't do. Just it was time and this is when it shows up.
0: So you mentioned the endoscopy and what the lining of the colon looks like. You also mentioned that it predominantly in terms of the GI tract affects just the colon and the rectum alone. Are there any other tests that the patient could expect to get in terms of their ulcerative colitis evaluation or is it just the colonoscopy and just the biopsies?
1: One of the things that's important is making sure of the diagnosis. And like you were mentioning earlier, Crohn's disease is something that can look exactly like ulcerative colitis. It can affect the colon very much the same way that ulcerative colitis does. But Crohn's disease can affect other parts of the GI tract. And so your doctor may do a camera down the mouth to look in the stomach. Sometimes they'll do a CAT scan, a special CAT scan or an MRI test to look at the rest of the intestines that we can't reach with the scopes, but need to make sure don't have inflammation that would lead us more towards a diagnosis of Crohn's disease and not ulcerative colitis.
0: So let's say that I'm a patient that now, unfortunately, I'm diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. Does everybody need surgery or what are the type of treatment options? And talk a little bit about that and then maybe some of the surgical options.
1: So there are a lot of good medical options, and they range in intensity and side effects from very mild pills that you take every day that can help to keep that inflammation down. As people don't do as well or don't respond if their disease is more severe, sometimes they have to take medicines that depress the immune system, Uh, something called uh, 6-mercaptopurine or isothioprine or Imuran. Those medications um, have a little more side effects You know, your immune system helps you to fight off disease, helps you to fight off infection. And so if we push that down with these medications, you have a little higher risk of having problems like that. If those don't work, sometimes we have to use even stronger medicines to push the immune system down, like prednisone or other types of steroids. And those can be very effective but have a lot of side effects that can be problematic. So we try not to keep people on that long term. And then at the highest end, we, there are medications that we call biologics. These are medications that really help to keep the immune system down. And in some cases, do it only working right where the colon is, only working right on that area that, that's inflamed. But again, can, are usually given by injections and usually have a lot more side effects than some of those lesser medications. But we have a lot of really good options to try to get people better with medication.
0: So how do the doctors sort all this out in terms of what type of medication that I would need if I had this and or even come into the hospital?
1: It really depends on how bad your disease is and everyone is gonna be different. Some people can have ulcerative colitis and it's really mild. And with some of those lesser medications, the gastroenterologist, they'll start them on those, they get better and they can stay on those and that's all they need. The doctors respond to your disease. So if you start on these lesser medications and things aren't getting better, then they'll ramp things up until they get to a level that we get you under control. Sometimes when they first get diagnosed, people have extremely severe disease and they do have to come into the hospital because they're having so much diarrhea or they're so weak and malnourished that we have to give them nutrition and fluids in their IV. We have to give them steroids in their IV and really go at it very aggressively, starting with those biggest medications to try to keep them safe and get them healthy right away. So it really depends on how bad your disease is, and you and your doctors will work together to find the right treatment option that works for you.
0: If you haven't had surgery or haven't gone to the point where you needed that, are there any diet or lifestyle changes that can help any patients with ulcerative colitis out there do better?
1: Well, definitely not smoking is important. Cigarettes are definitely out. Um, Otherwise, just following a healthy diet, there's not really a great... Uh, recommendation that if you eat this, then your disease will get better or stay under control. Patients will find that some foods aggravate their symptoms more than others, and obviously they should avoid those. But there's not one thing that I can tell someone or give them a brochure that says, if you eat this, you'll get better.
0: What about probiotics? I hear probiotics are activated cultures in yogurts. Is there any role for those in patients with ulcerative colitis?
1: You know, probiotics are probably not harmful. And if you take one and it makes you feel better, then fantastic. Keep taking it. They can be expensive, though. And there's definitely not evidence that it's gonna make anything better long-term. So if it's not making you feel better, it's probably not worth it.
0: So you're a surgeon and you treat patients that have ulcerative colitis. So let's step on to surgery right now. So first and foremost, what are some of the reasons that you as a surgeon would take a patient to the operating room for ulcerative colitis?
1: So there's really two types of patients that are gonna end up in surgery. One is that very, very sick patient we were talking about who could not function at home. So much diarrhea, malnourished, you know, in bad shape in the hospital, and we do it as an emergency to get them better and get them safe from the severe inflammation that's going on in their colon. On the other side is gonna be patients that just are not getting better with the medicines. And usually that's a long conversation between me as a surgeon, their gastroenterologist, and the patient about where they are and should we keep going up on medications or have they reached the maximum dose of medication? There's nothing else to try, but they're still having bad symptoms and they they can't get better. And it comes down to their lifestyle. Rarely, People can get cancer from ulcerative colitis, and those people need to have surgery as well in order to treat the cancer, just as we do for other colon cancers.
0: Yeah, let's let's start right there with the cancer thing. So, is ulcerative colitis mean that I have cancer?
1: No. Ulcerative colitis is not cancer. It's totally separate. But having that inflammation in your colon for a long time puts you at risk for getting cancer, and that risk goes up the longer you have it and by about 10 or 20 years that risk starts to get pretty significant if it's not well controlled
0: so are patients that have ulcerative colitis short of having an operation are there any surveillance guidelines or recommendations that patients with ulcerative colitis will go on to make sure that they don't develop a cancer or to assess their disease?
1: Yeah, so like we were talking about, the patients that do well on the medications or their symptoms are controlled, they do still have that cancer risk. And one of the things, in addition to how they feel that their gastroenterologist is going to want to use to make sure they're doing okay, is a colonoscopy. Usually every year, every other year, if they're doing real well. And at that time, they'll take some biopsies, And make sure there's nothing in there that's leading towards cancer that may make us want to think about doing surgery earlier to prevent them from getting into trouble down the road.
0: Okay, so let's circle back to surgery now. So now we have our patient, let's say they don't have cancer, but they're not responding well to medications. What are the operative procedures? that are at your disposal as a surgeon that some of the patients with ulcerative colitis could undergo?
1: So the mainstay of surgery is removing the colon. That sounds crazy to a lot of people. Your colon is a nice thing to have, but you don't need it. Uh, Lots of people don't have their colon. We remove the colon. We leave behind the muscles though, that give you control of your bowel movements, your sphincter muscles. And so we have a couple options. One is to just, close everything up, be totally done, and do a permanent ileostomy bag where the small intestine that's left behind, we don't remove any of the small intestine, where that comes up to the skin and then the poop goes out into a bag for the rest of somebody's life. The plus side of that is they have no more ulcerative colitis, they, all of their symptoms go away, they come off the medications, they feel fantastic, and they never have to have another scope in their bottom ever again because it's all closed up and done. The other option, though, is to try to put the bowels back together. We can make a new rectum out of the small intestine. We take the small intestine and fold it around and do some origami on it and then plug it back into the bottom. We call that a J-pouch. And people sometimes get confused about a bag and a pouch, and it all sounds sort of similar. When we talk about the bag or the ostomy bag, that's the thing on the skin. The other alternative is to do the pouch, which is the small intestine folded to create a new rectum and then plugged into the bottom. And that can let people go back to having bowel movements the way they always have.
0: You mentioned the bag and the pouch, which is really confusing to a lot of people, and I can understand that. Does this all happen at the same time? Did they just go in for an operation and all of a sudden the colon and the rectum is removed and they wake up with a new rectum and there's no bags or anything like that? Or what's this all about?
1: So because the operations are big and usually the patients are very sick when we're going to surgery, we typically do it in two or three steps. Usually we can do the operations laparoscopically with small incisions. And we go in and the first step is to get the majority of the colon out. And with the colon out, the disease pretty much goes away, people feel better, they come off the medications, they get healthy again, they get back to their life. When they're ready, we can then go back and take out the bit of colon that we've left behind, it's called the rectum, the last bit down there right before it comes out the bottom, and we create the J-pouch. The J-pouch has a lot of places where the bowels are joined to each other, And there's a lot of things that can go wrong if it's not done just right. We want it to heal in perfectly. And to let that happen, they keep the ileostomy bag while the J-pouch is healing. Then we go back in one last time for a much smaller operation to close up the ostomy bag, and then they're good to go.
0: And what can patients that have their colon and rectum and get this J-pouch, what kind of function can they expect to have? Most people
1: can expect to have about four to six bowel movements a day, sometimes one overnight, and usually with good control, meaning they get to the bathroom in time. And four to six might sound like a lot of bowel movements, but for someone with bad ulcerative colitis who's going 10, 15, 20 times a day, it really is a blessing. They usually can hold their bowel movements. So if they feel like they got to go, they'll have time, hours to get to the bathroom. So you can go on a car trip. You can go somewhere without having to know where every bathroom is. And a lot of ulcerative colitis patients, as their disease gets severe, will tell you exactly that, that they can't do those things. And as soon as they walk into a a restaurant or a movie theater, the first thing they're doing is scoping out the bathrooms, and that can all go away. They also will have to have that scope into the pouch, usually once a year or every other year, to check and make sure things are healthy.
0: Now, do patients that have the pouch or even have the end ileostomy, do they still have to be on medications? No.
1: Almost always they're able to come off their medications and get back to feeling totally healthy, feeling good.
0: And I had a friend of mine who was originally diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, and they said he got Crohn's later on in life. Do do you catch Crohn's, or what's that all about?
1: The pouch can have problems down the road, and one of the problems you can get is where the pouch gets inflamed, Uh, something called pouchitis, or sometimes what can happen is it can actually turn out that what looked very much like ulcerative colitis at the outset was actually Crohn's. Like I said a while ago, Crohn's can look just like ulcerative colitis. It can affect only the colon. It can not be in any other parts of the intestine. And sometimes after the J pouch is made down the road, Crohn's changes start to show up in the pouch and can cause problems with the pouch. That only happens to about 10 or 15% of people. Most people don't have that problem.
0: And just to clarify, you don't necessarily just have a pouch that Crohn's can go later. A person could have an end ileostomy, and Crohn's could kind of Absolutely. rear it. Absolutely,
1: yeah. So sometimes they can look identical for a while, and then down the road, that other finding can show up that makes us realize that it really was Crohn's the whole time.
0: Okay. Any other final thoughts or things that if you were going to give words of wisdom to patients with ulcerative colitis or symptoms of ulcerative colitis, what's some take-home messages?
1: I think it's really important to have a good relationship with your gastroenterologist and you're going to help to drive the care that you get. Patients that get better with medications, fantastic. I'm a surgeon. I love operating. I love doing these operations, but I'm much happier when people don't need it. But if you do, then there are options beyond the medications and you can come and see us and help to get you better.
0: Okay. We like to wind up with some quick hitters. So real quick, favorite sport? Hockey. Favorite meal? Pizza. What's the last book that you've read? Uh, Getting to Yes. And although you've lived in a lot of different places, tell the audience, what's something that you like about Cleveland?
1: I love the restaurant scene here. It's, uh, it's really fantastic.
0: Well, Jeremy, thanks you so much for joining us here on Butts and Guts. And to learn more, please download our free ulcerative colitis treatment guide at clevelandclinic.org slash IBD. That's clevelandclinic.org slash IBD. And to make an appointment with a Cleveland Clinic specialist, please call 216 444 7,000. Jeremy, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. That wraps things up here at Cleveland Clinic. Until next time, thanks for listening to Butts and Guts.